Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. Phil the Issues Guy. Better Call Saul. Season 4. Episode 2. Breathe. Just breathe. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go the Pink Floyd breathe or what kind of breathe, but it's a big breath. Whoa, what a good episode of Better Call Saul. Again, just another solid episode. But I feel like I'd be a broken record if I just judge this show on whether it's a good episode or a bad episode. Because now it's been ultimately three three seasons and two episodes. I, I can count. It's been three, three seasons and two episodes. And I've yet to be completely disappointed by an episode. This, episode, this, this show is so laser-focused in the small stories that it wants to tell. And tonight's episode was a huge one for me. I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed all the stuff that we're seeing with Gus's family and how they're taking over the Salamanca, seeing that whole extreme and seeing that interaction, uh, the five versus six thing. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later. And what Nacho was thinking with all of that, considering his situation, if he's just panicking, going on instinct. I like Gus seeing Gus's ego and seeing the end game of Gus come through at the beginning of this episode, where Gus was focusing too much on punishing Hector the, his way, which ultimately we know from Breaking Bad leads to his demise in the end, which is really cool and kind of opens up the scope of this show. Oh, and then we got, I was going to introduce her, but I'm not alone. Of course, we've got with us the live motherfucking chat. Joe Dirty Locks will not be with us tonight, so uh, he'll be here in spirit, being like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was, Joe. <laughs> but I am here tonight, and of course, with the live motherfucking chat. And then we got Jimmy in this episode, who is working all on instinct right now, just in that ultimate keep moving when you're dealing with the tragedy and dealing with shit, and latching on to the Saul Goodman-ness of it all and dealing with scams and schemes and everything's not exactly what it seems. Jimmy's storyline was very entertaining to me. I love watching him go and apply for a job and go through that whole situation. That was fucking amazing. Yeah, I swear a lot. Deal with it. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm sorry. Sit in the sit in the uh, the dirty end of the pond. I'm one of those bad kids at school that can't help but say fuck every other word. I'm hiding out in my mom's basement, watching Better Call Saul episodes, dreaming of the world world of Breaking Bad. I'm losing my shit. I can't even talk right now. I just know that I'm very, very happy every week that this show is on and that I'm in a world where I get to see more of this because. I don't care. I'm alone, so I'm babbling extra hard tonight. I'm I'm slapping the babble dick across my face tonight. And talking about Breaking Bad, starting this all, I never thought, and then starting Saul, but mainly when talking about Breaking Bad and all of that ending, I never thought I could look into this universe again. I never thought I would look into her face again the day I said goodbye. But every week now, I'm back. It's back. It's fucking back. And... I, I just, I very much love this episode. And Kim, this might have been one of my favorite Kim moments in all of the series. Her telling Howard the fuck off was really excellently done. And her affection, whatever you want to label that, and however you want to reach inside that and talk about it. And I know there are some people that watch this podcast or that watch the show that aren't the biggest Kim's, Kim fans. But it's hard pressed for me not to root for Kim in that moment when she's attacking Howard. So I guess that's the episode. That's the podcast. I don't have anything else to say. It's time to fucking go. But let's see what you motherfuckers said in the goddamn chat. 
Oh, holy moly, that was... Oh, I said moly, but not... DJ Better says that was intense. My poor Nacho, I have a mini crush. Just want to get that out there. The Blowfish says, I just want to get this out there, uh, that he wouldn't have pushed for six. I think he likes the feeling of power until shit hit the fan. And that's a very good point, an interesting way of thinking about this. Did he not take his father's money in that moment? No, he grabbed that money right up and put it in his pocket. Did he push and just take the five there and say let's compromise no he pulled out the gun in that moment he likes the power trip of it all too i agree nacho's a very interesting character and i like the build-up that we've had through these three seasons that we've gotten to know him but not enough to really understand all of his motivation so it makes him in this universe very interesting because everybody else that we're attached to here kim howard jimmy and then eventually the salt the Saul that we know he becomes and Gus we have and Mike we have an understanding of who they are and what they can bring to the table Nacho's a different freaking thing he's something that he's just an x factor on the show right now that we don't know necessarily where his story is going to end up or go is he the Ignacio that Jesse was talking about later on is his is he the conduit to Jesse later on down the line before he ultimately faces his demise? Is it a completely different situation altogether? It's one of those things that the show has on its back right now in that storyline. Because every other part of that storyline, you generally know where the pieces are going to end up. So it does have some elements of prequel-itis in certain moments. Like when Nacho pulls out the gun in the meeting and the two people he's pointing it at are two guys that you've seen on Breaking Bad. So you know, okay, there's, there's, there's going to be nothing there. But which was used to an excellent advantage in the episode by the creative team to lull you into a sense of security with prequelitis in that moment. At least for me. In that moment when they walked up with the gun, I'm like, okay, no one's going to get shot. The, we know those two guys live. Everything's fine. They're just going to walk out of this and it's going to be... Business as usual or something. So then when Gus foot clanned his way, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtled his way behind uh, behind the two dudes and threw the bag on that one guy's head, it was it was surprising to me because the show had lulled me into a sense of prequelitis. So I appreciate the playing with it. Oh, playing. Okay, Rich, yes, tonight. I'm here alone this evening. Hendrix, I miss you too, buddy. Love the name Hendrix. Makes me think of wonderful guitars. But uh, miss your Westworld videos. Man, I should start watching Better Call Saul. You should start fucking watching this show. Hannibal O'Neill in the live motherfucking chat. Great to see Hannibal. Tim Gersh, shut the fuck up, Phil. Tim Gersh sent me a wonderful gift. I don't want to necessarily talk about that. But Tim knows what he sent me. And I used it for the very first time today, Tim. And it used re it worked really, really well. I have to say that uh, the gravity situation was very effective, Tim. So thank you so much for letting for that wonderful gift that Tim sent to our P.O. Box and uh, Tim's good people. Hey, hey, what's going on, T.S.? I've never enjoyed a job interview so much. I agree that job interview was amazing. And when he went back in there, I didn't know it was going to go in that direction. And it's those little moments that you I live for on this show. And I think if you were to appreciate the show and you're a lover of the show, it's in that minutiae, in that the squat cobbler speech, in Jimmy shooting a commercial, in Jimmy in a job interview, seeing Saul Goodman in all these places, and Mike as well, seeing Mike in the last episode go and audit a security facility or one of the magical facilities. I like all of the business that we get. That's why this show is, even more than Breaking Bad, is very much a 
theater-like experience at times. Fuck. Fuck my motherfucker. Holy shit, do we have a super chat donation? K. Rich, job interview, bears Jimmy's soul, has to close these idiots, but he can't keep from peeling their shoes. K. Rich, thank you so much for the super chat donation. Let's spin the wheel. Spin the wheel, and let's get over here. Oh, yes. Here we go. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Oh, there we go. There, Here comes the live motherfucking chat. I was waiting for you guys. Wow, that was a big spin. Holy crap. That spin was hungry. That spin was hungry. <laughs> like a like a man in the soup. What's that? What's that Costanza thing? It, it was hungry, but hungry, my friends. <laughs> but thank you so much for the super chat donation. It set, landed on Joe do a character impression. So K Rich, hold on to that. Next time we have Joe Dirty Locks on the show, you can make Joe do a character impression of anybody you want. Uh, let's see. Hey, hey, Sam. Hey, Jen. Ask her to see Jen. Eh. Jen. I don't know why I was good. I wanted to say every time I see the name Jen, somehow I've said this before. Forrest Gump flashes in my head and says Jenny, like right on cue. I see the word Jen, I hear a voice go Jenny. So that's why every time I want to say the, the word Jen, sometimes I pause and I kind of double take on. It. I'm like Jen, because I'm trying to stop myself from doing that. It's been it's been a billion years. I'm gonna be ninety next week, and I'm gonna be in a hospital somewhere. My last words are gonna be. What's your name, Nurse Jen? Jenny. Affleck. Death. So, Montgomery Moost. They save the good stuff for the end of the episode. They know how to pace these episodes well and lull you into a sense of security with them. And I think that's something that Better Call Saul consistently, consistently has done well. They end these episodes on good points or, or on an with some ambiguity to it and to allow you to think or feel. Let's keep scrolling down in the live motherfucking chat because you guys are awesome. Like Chip Chipperson. Love Chip Chipperson in the live chat. We still got the blowfish. It was, it was more so that Chuck did all that. Holy moly, cazoli poly. Sam and Howard deserved it because he tried to guilt Jimmy about Chuck's death and have him wallow in the scene without any sense of support. Hey, hey you didn't miss much, the heat bar. You didn't miss anything. You're here just in fucking time. Just started. You missed me mispronouncing about six words, stuttering a little bit, babbling, acting like a fool, um, scratching myself under the table a couple times, um, imagining imagining everyone in their underwear. Uh, I mean, all of those things that you've you've missed. But I'm here now. You're really and I and I, I'm really excited to have you. Oh, I'm excited to have all of you. The Blowfish. I really don't believe Howard meant to put the guilt on Jimmy because he doesn't know what Jimmy did. I firmly believe Howard believes himself to be guilty. I agree with that as well, Blowfish. I think Howard does think of himself as guilty, but I think Howard has an inability on some level to be empathetic to Jimmy. I think he just looks at Jimmy as a pet in some ways. So he is somewhat protective over him. So I think in his mind, he thought he was doing something good. He didn't think about it in the big overall perspective. And obviously he doesn't think that Jimmy knew anything. And I don't think Kim thinks that Jimmy knew anything before, but I think, I think we can all from looking at it from a wider angle perspective, I think we can all assume that Jimmy put it together before Howard even said anything. And what my perspective is, is, Howard gave Jimmy the out he needed. 
If Howard didn't say that to him, Jimmy might have still internalized this a little bit. But the Saul Goodman in him, the the little Hulk on his shoulder there, took what Howard said and used it as an excuse, as a little thing to patch the dam and just be like, fuck it. I'm not dealing with this anymore. You gave me an out. And I know from firsthand examples, firsthand experience examples, that I that in my own mind, I've done shit like that too. When you feel fucking guilty about someone and someone hands you a lifeline and takes responsibility off of you and you secretly deep down know you're responsible for the shit, but they say, I take responsibility. I've been in both situations. I've been the asshole that takes responsibility for someone else's fuck up. And I've also been in that situation where someone takes it off of me, where I feel guilty about something and someone removes that guilt by saying, Actually, it's not all your fault. It's somewhat my fault, too. Even when they're full of shit, when it's all my fault. <laughs> Most things are. But that's beside the point. That's a different podcast altogether. This show, Better Call Saul, just like last week, someone said, Phil, you sure got issues. I do have issues. And Jimmy's whole plight and the whole journey of Jimmy with Chuck in a real warp sort of way, I highly fucking relate to. And if you relate to it as well, you know, some sort of situations. I think that's the great thing about Better Call Saul. And I think we all have different shows and different characters and different shows that we relate to. And Jimmy's someone I can relate to a great deal. I'm sorry, I hear my cat scratching on the fucking door. And on that note, I'm going to play a song for a second while I while I go and let the dog, let the cat in. Let, who let the cat out? And also say to you guys, if you want to call in and share your thoughts, you can do it at 781-990-8509. You can leave a text at that number as well. 781-990-8509. Call in now. Leave your voicemails. We'll get you calls after the voice, after the recap. Don't have to worry, get your shit, buddy. Don't have to worry, get your shit, buddy. Tonight. This break was brought to you by Shit Buddy. And I uh, love Nacho's character. He's sure the wild card. Yeah, and Jen, that's... That's the awesome thing, like I was saying a few minutes ago. He, being that wild card, gives the show, adds that level of edge to the show where some characters we know where they ultimately end up. This episode greater than the last episode. Sam, I agree. Last episode was very good. I think I liked it better than some. I liked it better than you, I know, Sam. But I do think this episode is more the show figuring, telling us what kind of show it's going to be this season. Last episode, I think, was dealing with a lot of past business and closing out the door of that stuff and setting up the show with a different tone, a different feel to it. I feel it. And it's coming through in the podcast right now, too. I feel like this episode is very frantic for a show that usually takes its time to really develop scenes. And scenes are slow sometimes and relaxed. And you really get a feel for them. The, Editing of Jimmy, especially in Jimmy scenes, are all over the place. He's like me on a normal day, like if I had a little bit of caffeine or something. Jimmy is all over the place frantic in this episode, and that's how he keeps doing it. You keep moving, 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 moving. I mean, too much time to think, too much time to pause for one second and not just go, 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 go. Gives you too much time to internalize shit, and he doesn't want to do that. He wants to keep on this surface, front part of his head, movement forward crap. And it... As we know, whether he has some slip-ups from that or not, we ultimately know that his endgame is to be 100% that way, becoming Saul Goodman. <laughs> now, Hannibal O'Neill uses, <laughs> uses scope mouthwash for prequelitis. It really does work. DJ says, Nacho is kind of fucked up, broken soul guy I usually go for. 
<laughs> Thank you again to K. Rich for that super chat donation as I go past it. Well, Phil, I'm glad you like it, but uh, the gravity well, man, it's like a freight train. It killed me this afternoon, Tim. I have to uh, say that. Acceptable episode says Jen. There's five Jennies. I love coming here to discuss the show after each episode. I have no one else to discuss it with, so it's pretty nice. Keep it up, Phil. Blowfish, thank you so much. I feel the same way about why I do the show, even if Joe can't always make it and I'm just babbling to you guys. I am very lucky to be able to come out here and talk to any group of you guys any point in time. We are fucking this a support group for post television uh post televisionitis here. So I appreciate it, you guys. Melanie leave they they leave me wanting they leave us wanting more. Absolutely. They know what they're doing, Melanie. Definitely left us left us wanting more at the end of this episode. Lindsay C, great to see Lindsay C in the live chat. We still don't know if Chuck cashed Howard's check or not. That's very interesting. I wonder if Jimmy's gonna find that check. Ooh, Melanie, maybe that's what's in the letter. Maybe Chuck signed over that check to Jimmy as a apology. Fuck you to Howard because he's so pissed at Howard. He wants him to have to pay Jimmy five million dollars or whatever it was, whatever the first payment was. So I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think. I wonder when that letter is going to come into play and when Jimmy is going to actually get to read it because they didn't introduce it for it to never, never be read. It's not Rosebud and we're not going to see it at the end here. Uh, good point, Mel. So maybe the money's in there. Mm -mm. Because I think where Kim's saying, oh, is it just one more fuck you from Chuck? It would be interesting if it wasn't because that's what you would think it was. And this show never does what you think it should do. So it would be an interesting take if Chuck's last thought was, you know, fuck Howard. I'm going to give this money to Jimmy. I'm really hoping we get to see what Chuck says to Jimmy in that letter. I, I think they didn't show us that. They didn't show us that letter not to not to read it at some point. I almost thought she was going to show it to him in this episode and he was going to read it and go, meh. And just kind of like rip it up and go, I'm done. Ah, uh, family. <laughs> yeah, Birdie. Ah, uh, family. All I can say is that Kim was the real MVP of this episode. I agree, Lindsay. That Kim scene was sick. I love seeing Kim go crazy. I love seeing that defense that she jumps into action right there. It makes me... It's one of the few times in the series that I've been convinced that she cares about Jimmy. It doesn't always feel that way, but she definitely... It felt like that in that moment. Or... She was just really pissed at Howard. But I think it had to do with her being protective of Jimmy's feelings in that moment and feeling like they were finally getting to a decent point where she let her guard down after the accident with them, with him, and Howard's fucking his shit up. Me too. I relate to Jimmy. Living the dream. I'm really hoping we get to see what Chuck says. I am too. We got Laura D in the live motherfucking chat. I'm doing better that you're here, Laura and Bernie and Sam and DJ and Lindsay and the Blowfish and Melanie and all. And, if, and of course, Hannibal O'Neill and anybody else that I've missed. Jen S, K Rich, all of our friends that are in. And if I, and if I missed you, it's totally intentional. It's totally, totally fucking Okay, let's continue. What does the letter say? I killed your dog when we were kids, Jimmy. And I shit in your ice cream every time. Every time you had the ice cream, I shit in it. That's basically what happened. <laughs> oh, ooh, do we have a... Do we have... Hey, we got a voicemail. Let's, let's start the show off right and play our voicemail from our good buddy, the wonderful... Big J and yeah, let's I, fuck that. I don't know. Do I not have a do I not have a Better Call Saul uh, technical difficulties thing? Do, do I really not have that? This is this is bad. This is bad. Did I 
I want to do some technical difficulties, but I can't do it without one for the particular show. So, so I guess we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it in a good, good old fashioned way <laughs> with Ryan O'Reilly and Tobias Beecher. And let's listen to Big J's message. And I got to hear firsthand over the week on Tuesday how good of a dad Big J is because Big J po- accidentally pocket dialed me, and uh, and I and and left uh, a message which, which anybody like I'm telling you our voicemail lines 24 hours a day seven days a week you want to pocket dial me pocket dial the voicemail line 781-990-8509 24 hours a day I don't care if you're shit faced drunk at the bar leave a fucking message but Big J pocket dialed me. And I got to hear him talking to his kids. And he was like, he's a fucking great dad. He's a fucking great dad. Lots of love to Big J. But now we got Big J on the line. So let's, let's listen to our good buddy. Hey, Phil. What's up, my buddy? Tocola, uh, 30 Joe, uh, what's up? Hope he, uh, wherever he's at, he's having a good night. But uh, it's uh, Big J here with his uh, his weekly uh, Better Call Saul phone call uh yeah just a few points i i i didn't understand why why jimmy got so mad you can see the anger in his eyes when he went back in and ridiculed those two guys that were going to get the job that that's a really awesome question i was going to get that a little bit later my speculation about that was that was a little chuck coming out of him that that was like oh paying a little homage to his brother being like you guys are fucking idiots like or just the the con man being like this is just too easy but he lo- definitely lost his cool or is it part of his game because he somehow went back or he wanted to piss them off because he just wanted to rob them and be dicks to them but I agree it seemed a little weird he lost his cool for a second there but I just figured it out he's thinking that that's his father he knows something about his father that he couldn't stand. Remember what the other guy came in? Oh, yeah, Jay. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. In that episode, he said, Kate, what do you want to be, a wolf or a sheep? And he always thought of his father as that weak sheep, and that's what he thought of these guys. That's- see, see th- again, this is why I love doing these shows, and this is why I love my yearly show that I do. I'm going to be so upset when this show ends and I don't, and I don't get Big Jay calls anymore. But uh, Big Jay, excellent point. You are absolutely right. It's it's dating it back to his father, and then to go with what I'm saying, just you know, because I have to make myself right a little bit too. The situation with Chuck is triggering that and triggering the relationship with his father. Great, great fucking point, Big Jay. But I get I'm pretty sure about that. Um, crazy the way that guy died at the end. Gus is the man. Uh, Sam called it. Um, I'm not saying my, uh, the other the other woman on your chat there, but tell Sam I said hello. Um, I, the show really picked up tonight. That murder at the end. Uh, I'm wondering like you, what's gonna happen with Nacho and uh, and Kim? You know, I'm, I don't miss Chuck at all. Um, I like Mike's cell phone with the antenna. You know, <laughs> Thirty years ago, that was funny. The flip phone. And um, I just really enjoyed the show. Um, that guy was talking a lot of shit at the end, and he got what was coming to him. You know, he was a big mouth. I never liked that guy, but I, nobody. I didn't want to see him die like that. That was a horrible way to go. But he had a big mouth. Fuck him. All right, Phil. Talk to you next week, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Big J. As always, lots of love to Big J uh, from the chat. Sam sending you some love in that way, too. Kim Shitstorm and Howard's been a long time coming. Yeah, and it was because you could even go, she's been looking for that jump off point to explode on someone. And they, 
We've all had those interactions with people. You know, someone that just keeps pissing you off and pissing you off, but you don't have the opportunity to explode on them. Then they do the one thing. You're, it's perfect. <laughs> you're perfect. Come into my lair so I can explode on you. Well, that sounds so dirty. <laughs> Come into my lair so I can explode on you. Whoa, wait. What kind of show are we watching? Wait, wait. Next thing I know, this, this music's going to play in a second. Oh, no. <laughs> Come into my lair so I can explode on you. <laughs> is that what I mean? Well, again, what kind of show is this? But <laughs> you know what kind of show this is? This kind of show is the time. Why can't I ever have things queued up? <laughs> this is why I need an intern. This, <laughs> this is time for the fucking recap. <laughs> recap? <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I need to go to sleep, but I love you all. Enjoy the stream. Uh, thank you, Sam, for checking on in. For everyone that uh, has not checked us out before, basically the beginning section, like we just did, is a little bit of a review and a babble. Just shared my basic thoughts. Now I'm going to go through each scene of the episode, play a little audio clip from each scene of, scene of the episode, and break it down a little further, a little bit, a little maybe goofy at times, maybe yada yada at times but that that's the silliness that we do here and at the end if we have any more phone calls or any more live chat we will take them at, at that point so if you have any call questions comments definitely jump on in the phone line 781-990-8509 leave your voicemail or you can do that 24 hours a day seven days a week just to say hi so let's get in the live chat here. Hey, Phil, did you hear that Negan is being had to Tekken 7 as a DLC character? Are you sure? Holy fuck. Phil is very sexual tonight. Hashtag couch sex got him turned on. It's true. It's true. It doesn't take much, Bernie the Burnt. Like, you know. Whoa! Start playing my bongos. What the fuck? So our episode opens. Now I'm turning bright red. Woo. We open up on... We're in the hospital. Things are dark and gritty. Very well filmed. We focus on an eye. We see the light. We see it's Hector. He's being looked up and down by a cartel doctor. We get some nail clippings, scrapes the bottom of the foot, and Gus's guys are there overseeing the whole operation. The guy that eventually got killed with the box cutter. I always forget his name. So people are people are coming. Just a bunch of scrubs. We see JD, Carla, and uh, Turk walk by on the outside. And uh, I, I love all the gritty headshot again all the angles and the way everything is shot i think is freaking amazing and we hear the we hear the report back to gus let's listen to that gus what he's no longer in a coma but he's unresponsive his condition is stable and managing his blood pressure but whether he will wake up and understand what's going on around him there's no way of knowing. No. That's unacceptable. Gustavo. There's a trailer, no get. oh my god. He's getting very good care here. There's very little even the best hospitals could do. No, 
might it be different if he was in the care of someplace like Johns Hopkins? Now, what's really interesting about all of this, this is where we get into playing with the prequel thing in a fun way. This is... Whether Walter might have found another way to get to Gus, he did ultimately get to him through Hector and through his revenge plot for Hector. The fact that he was able to figure that out, excuse me, and that ultimately is Gus's weakness in the end. So you could look at all of this in Gus's pride in this moment and through all of this, not just killing Hector or not just allowing Hector to die ultimately causing his fucking death. And that's what's interesting about this to me in seeing that his, his own ego, his urgency. And I mean, we know that later in Breaking Bad, but to see how far back it stretches, to see this point of him putting Hector into this prison of his own body, save him so he can be in this situation, it's, it's really fucked up. And it's understandable, especially with what we know, but it really shows we're really examining Gus's weakness, and I like that. Because Gus seems, we examine Gus's strengths a lot in Breaking Bad when looking at Walter as an adversary trying to work against him. He's like a brick wall trying to break through at a lot of points, and Walter's looking for any crack he can get into. He eventually finds a crack, but the Gus we know in this series now is we see a little bit more of the, the real Gus or the more wider angle perspective of Gus's angles, and I like that, and I think the smartest thing this show ever did was making sure that they brought Gus on because it was essential to the story they wanted to tell, but also out of all the characters in Breaking Bad that we haven't been, hadn't explored that were main characters, he is one of the people that had the most room to go down that path. Even more so than someone like Saul, you would think. That's the interesting part of this show. That that Jimmy became, that Saul became such an interesting character, and that you can. I'm I'm waiting for the Skinny Pete series that's going to explore his uh, his his musical uh, phenom childhood or something. Anyways, the fact that we know how all this turns out yet so compelling showcases how great this fucking writing is. And I added a fuck because you know you have to. <laughs> you have to. Okay, so we Gus is like, no, 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 no. Perhaps. Or it could make no difference at all. But in the end, in the end, I can think of no better judgment on this man. Isn't this what he deserves? I decide what he deserves. No one else. Look at me. Look at me. Why so serious? Okay, so we come back into Sleeping Kim and we hear the sounds of what I thought at first was laundry or some fresh OJ vacuums or some shit, but he's making fresh OJ and Saul is up and happy. He's giving her bacon. Bacon has healing powers, coffee, cinnamon. He realizes he woke her up with the noise. He can't even stop moving, not for one second. She says, you can take some time off. The scene is cut very fast. Makes me feel anxious when I was watching it. The energy is up and he heads out 
for looking for jobs and asks about dinner and is not going to the meeting for Chuck's uh, executive, the, the, the Chuck Will reading type stuff. So let's listen to a few seconds of this scene. I was getting up. I'm sorry. Eventually. Job interviews lined up. I want. Yeah, Hector wasn't scarf. Hector's been in everything. This manager interview and pulled was also in Carlito's way, I believe. Way up north to Algodonas. I got a lot of ground to cover. Jimmy, you know, you can. He was in Oz. Speaking of that, I guess that's why it's relevant to uh, to me to show an Oz picture because he was in Oz as well. Why wait? He, uh, spoiler alert for Oz. Didn't they, pr didn't Adebisi prick him with a needle and give, get him HIV, HIV and stuff? And then he started to write a book and was suffocated in the, uh, the sick ward. But yes, he was on Oz. Good luck. Oh, Thai or Mexican? Okay, so he takes it, he heads up, and, uh, he says, oh, okay, so no, our next scene, our next scene is in Nacho's dad's, dad's business he shows up there nacho says it's all gonna be over it's you don't have to worry about it anymore we go to the truck pulling into a garage and someone gets out heads to a storage locker and there's a car inside and it's nacho's dad he's waiting for him and nacho tries to talk to him but his dad just walks away and ignores him it's very well acted that looks on his father's face when nacho's trying to talk to him and he just has this look of disgust i often joke when I'm just when I'm trying to get people to give me certain looks and acting classes when I'm teaching acting classes when I'm when I'm looking for certain expressions I I always say the expression give me bad lunch face when you're disgusted with something the Scott the, imagine you just ate some really bad lunch oh, 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 gross his dad got some bad nachos for lunch and he's looking at his son nacho no he's looking at that he's like oh gross. That's some TGR Fridays. Someone left that shit out. That's disgusting. That was gross. And he's giving him that look, the bad lunch, bad lunch face all over his, his son right there. And uh, Nacho's dad lays the money out as, he, as Nacho's like, it's over. You don't have to pay me the money. Lays the money out. He's like, take the fucking money. He doesn't actually say that. And he takes it and he says to his dad, it's it's done or or it's pretty much over meaning what happened to Hector happened to he Hector and there'll be no need for this shit again and his dad says when are you gonna be out son why so serious son and Nacho says soon dad soon I'm gonna be out I wanna be like you son they know I'm gonna be like you and the cat's in the cradle in the nachos home. He's laying out the cash for his dad alone. What's he gonna do with that cash and you don't know when? He's gonna send his dad to Vegas then. Gonna send his dad to Vegas then. Sorry, it's fucking crazy. It's so screwed up the lens. Gus will go to torture Hector. I love it. I know, Melody. It's so incredible. It's so incredible to watch. Jimmy is avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. Did I mention avoidance? Hey. I don't know what you're talking about, DJ. I'm avoiding that comment. Damn, that show is brutal. <laughs> Oz, yeah, Oz is fucking... There's no more brutal show than Oz. And my cousin Craig, who definitely likes programs that make... He's not... He's, my mother was somebody... I'm jumping around my family. But my mother was one of these people that she wouldn't watch anything that would make her feel bad in the end. She'd watch the end of a movie or she'd ask people what the end of a movie is. It's sad. I don't want to watch the end of a movie if it's sad. My cousin Craig isn't like that. He likes shitty st stuff that can make you feel shitty as much as it feel good. Oz, 
he like tried to watch a couple of episodes with Oz with me. He's like, this, I cannot watch this show. This is like the most horrible feeling show. And it's true. There's not an end of any episode of Oz that makes you feel good. There's pretty much nothing in Oz that ever makes you feel good, <laughs> which I appreciate. I think that's part of what I love about it. There's no happiness in Oz unless you're just laughing at the sheer absurdity of, of J.K. Simmons and Adebisi's interactions. Anyways, enough of that. Enough of Oz talk. I, could, uh, I already did a podcast on Oz. You can watch, check it out on the channel or, you know, maybe I have to do another one. Okay, so blah, 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 blah. I like the little traits that they give each character, like something so little showing Gus sweep trash. Could have had someone else do it, but he does it himself. He wants his place to be perfect, and he also wants to do it himself, and he never wants to forget where he started. And I think there's all of those little elements break it down to what you know about Gus and what kind of person he is. The guy that sits down for dinner with, that, with Jesse and has a simple conversation with him. Someone that could have possibly worked with with uh i don't know he's a very interesting character well developed and to add little character traits like that business activators with his hand create these activations of these character moments and they're done so well the i keep saying this word over and over again but it's so important to what they do in better call saw the minutiae the little fucking things they pay attention to all these little touches that just adds to the again drink because i'm saying a texture of the world that we're in and i think both shows did that well better call Saul was perfecting some of those things that breaking bad did i'll still say the narrative of breaking bad was tighter you know it's it was less of a character straight character study than better call Saul is better call Saul, the straight narrative is less important than the characters but we're Breaking Bad. I think it's the other way around. But both do the same similar things with the way they tell story, have storytelling. Both the other's important too. The story's important in Better Call Saul, and the characters are important in Breaking Bad. But the shows are presented in very different ways, but so similar. It's it's really cool. It's really fucking cool, and it's hard to verbalize exactly. But you know you're in the same world, and. But it's a completely different show, especially as we're getting into the more – we're blending that line. And again, I don't know if this is on – yes, it's on purpose. Why am I asking the question if it's on purpose? The show seems to be transforming this season. I feel like the show it was the past three years was killed when Chuck died. And the show is slowly – crafting itself to the point where the end of next season it's going to feel even more like breaking bad and i think that's on purpose i don't know i don't know i don't know man and then it's gonna all end with the gene stuff we're gonna get maybe next season we'll be all in the gene timeline holy fuck 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 fuckity fucks sorry i'm having a fangasm moment excuse me for one second holy shit zippity doo dah zippity yay my oh my what a wonderful day i want to play the drums today i want to play the drums i love this fucking world that's it. That's it. I don't have a lot of energy tonight. It's been a long day. It's been a long day, and I got a <laughs> crazy couple of days after this, so. Ah! <laughs> okay. Better. Much better. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know Phil teaches. Oh, it's the little kids. Like, uh, I teach theater and music to, uh, to, to, to kids. What kind of counting was that? He just grabbed the bills. I love that they speak Spanish and have subtitles. Oz was horrific. It really was. Hannibal. It was so fucking horrific.
Every episode was more and more horrific. It was horrific and ridiculous. And funny. It was funny, too. But it was... Yeah, I think that's the best word, word for it. Uh, yeah, gra greatest... Yeah, Gravitas scenes of Chris Maloney's ass made Oz my happy place. Yes, that was... Uh, you got to see Chris Keller, Chris Maloney, any... Uh, any fans of most of 90s television can see pretty much any of those actors naked on Oz. Uh, specifically, Christopher, Christopher Maloney was, was swinging all over the set of Oz. Uh, Gus is quite a power-hungry control freak. Blowfish says, Oz had some moments of happiness, like when Beecher got freed, but then it's up right back in Oz. <laughs> Blowfish, thanks. <laughs> Way to turn that joke. I love that punchline because I wasn't pred I wasn't predicting that. I was, I was like, yeah, well, well, beat your head a few. Okay, you're right. <laughs> I can't even remember who Gene is. I felt the change in the show too. They're definitely heading to that ugly place. I love that too. Love the live chat. Love to have you in the live chat, Melanie. Thank you so much to all of us that are all of you guys that are joining me tonight to talk about this episode. It's really fun to be able to watch and then come out and share our immediate thoughts. And obviously, these episodes are very layered. They lend to rewatching, but so it's fun to kind of explore it with a lot of different people and see all the different perspectives of things that happen. Okay. So blah, 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 blah. Uh, Nacho, Nacho takes the money, leaves him and his dad have issues. So Saul pulls up to the job opportunity, checks himself out. He looks pretty good. Heads to the front door of the copy machine place. And uh, I'm, I'm going to play most of the scene just because it's funny and I have to go get some water. <laughs> so, uh, Let's play this. And we get to see the guy from Glow that plays the the uh, the dick the dick um television executive. Almost fifty years ago. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. And we think that other fellow is Oh yeah, Gene is people that don't know who Gene is, I'm just gonna refer to him now as Cinnabon Saul for for ease. Gene is black and white Saul. He's the uh, the name that Saul took when he when he left after breaking bad. Uh, and him and Walt went in separate directions. He eventually ended up to where he is in, I think it's Wyoming. S someone can correct me in the live chat. <clears throat> Somewhere in East Bumfuck or possibly West Bumfuck. I'm not positive. And he's working at a Cinnabons and uh, with the name Gene. Corker, one of the early repairmen. Well, they must have relied on him a lot. That's a thermofax. It needed a specially coated paper to get an image off one of those babies. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> really, Ian? YouTube has closed captions on the streams like they're following me with what I'm saying. I mean, I doubt they're getting their words right, but wow, technology is amazing. Hi, everybody. Hi, YouTube. Let's see if I can screw you up. I'm talking in circles. Oh, alligator balls. Did you just say alligator balls? Did alligator balls go on the screen? Because that would be amazing. Alligator balls inside an ostrich's testicle. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I just want to see that in written text somewhere. <laughs> What's that have to do with Better Call Saul? It has nothing to do with Better Call Saul except that's something Jimmy might make up on one of his rants talking about squat cobblers or things things of the such. Stuff? <laughs> Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Hut, hut, hut. Holy shit. Sorry, everybody. I have to, I'm sorry for my random terms that I'm just going to be throwing. It's like a I was just going to say Encyclopedia Britannica Jones on Marketplace place in Baron's chat across my Martian Manhunter's testicle tube. 
Wow. Alligator balls got yes, alligator balls got on the screen. Yes, and it counts. Okay, I'll stop now. I'll stop. So anyone listening to the audio cast later that might be curious what the hell is going on, that's why you should definitely join the YouTube channel. Subscribe to Fill the Issues Guy on YouTube. Join us live after every episode airs on the East Coast. I also am on a few other nights a week, not the last couple of weeks. August is going to be a little bit, probably just during Better Call Saul with a couple of jump-ins during the week. We've got a Sopranos cast coming up soon, a couple of other random casts, but... For the most part, every Monday evening at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be live. So join us and share your thoughts in the live chat. And if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and you want to listen to me audio style, re-listen to this shit. I don't know why you'd want to do that. But if you want to do that, you can definitely subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Podbean. You can find all that in the description box below. Okay, enough of my Martian Manhunter's testicle twats. And, uh... The testicle taught. Listen, Martian man, Hunter. <laughs> you teach me about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I get. I'm way too amused by little things like that. But amazing technology. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag alligator falls. That was one of my, uh, you know, big go-to go-to lines in the old podcast. <laughs> I said cats' butts. Is that what I said? <laughs> I'm going to have to play with that at times this evening. Okay, so let's continue here. So we get more. Let's listen to more of this shit. Room side. Talk to I'll be right back. Time to get some water. <laughs> they love talking shop. Yes. They are a lonely bunch, for sure. Uh, this one was a real big seller for Neff. Really put us on the map. That's a 6500 color copier. That's a war horse. I mean, did you ever see the guts of this beast? It takes 15 <laughs> seconds to get a printout. I worked with one back in Chicago. <laughs> that machine was almost too good. Counterfeiters used it to make phony $5 bills. What? Yeah. That's... That's not right. <laughs> oh, oh, look at there. You got a lot of hardware over here. Yes. Mr. Neff loves sponsoring the kids. Bowling? That's fun. We had a pretty good run in the 90s, but, uh... We don't find kids much interested anymore. Yeah, this generation is all hacky sack and video games. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? The truth. Yeah. Hummels. Yes. Those were Almas. She loved collecting the little things. God rest her soul. Okay. Oh, sorry. So we see all of this, and I mean, I want to get to the real fun of this scene, which is the next part of it. Saul goes in there, does decent in the interview, but then he stops and pauses and goes, "If I really want to get this job, I have to. I'm going to go for the gusto here and really pull it all out." I'm. This is one of those moments where I'm not sure exactly what Saul's modus operandi here, like what he was trying to get the fuck done here. Uh I mean, I think he was trying to get the job, and then at some point in time, I think Big J, what he was saying was right. Something it triggered in him, and in something he reminded him of his father, and he sort of uh, abandoned. He got what he wanted, and it's like, eh, I don't want the toy anymore. You just gave me the toy. It was too easy. You're, just like, you're supposed to make me work for it. You're just a sucker. I don't want to, you know, fuck you. I don't want to be around a sucker. I mean, I, this, this can't be easy. It's so easy for me. You know, there's got to be some game here. I want to play the game. Stop being a fool. Oh, no. Don't. No apologies in the live motherfucking chat. The live, my mother, my live motherfucking chat is like Vegas. What happens in the live chat 
you know, can stay in the live chat. So type away anything. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah, I knew the lady. Same way. <laughs> ah, touring the wall of crap, I see. I think they raided the Madman storage unit to dress the set for the scene. I need to drag that stuff to the dumps. You need some Fill the Issues Guy merchandise? You can check out the description box below. I believe we do have a link to some merchandise, even though I do need to make some new ones, but you can find that in the description box below, I believe. Haven't had a chance to motivate. Not that I pub that. Bye bye merchandise Myself. now. Mr. Neff, this is James McGill. Oh, just Jimmy's fine. Jimmy, pleasure. Come on down. Have a seat. Yeah. Guessing Henry filled you in on what we're looking for. Oh, he did indeed. Um, office to office salesman, willing to have multiple doors slammed in my face. I would be with you, Melanie and DJ, but I got pretty drunk yesterday, so. <laughs> so unless something lands on drink, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going with water tonight. With one mission. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. They're old copiers too. Yeah, Blowfish, I've definitely heard about that. Uh, Matt and I will talk more about that on the next stream. I believe we did talk about that a couple streams ago as well, but I'm very excited about that, and we will be reviewing that Sopranos thing whenever it does come out. Absolutely. Top of the line, new ones. Absolutely. Okay, so he, he ends up coming back in. I'd sure love a crack at it. I've been told stubbornness and persuasiveness are two of my top qualities. Now let's get to the meat of it. Can I just have another minute? Uh, I'll be real quick. Uh, yeah, sure. Jimmy, what's on your mind? Yeah, look, I know you are going to take some time and consider your options, but maybe we can settle this right now. There's a thing that we all know called opportunity cost. The time you spend looking for someone is time. I love this stuff because this harkens back to season two with the sunk cost fallacy where you sink so much time into something you give it an extra break than you should because you feel like you've sunk too much time into something so you might as well go all the way with it it's how i that's how i keep people in my life that's the only way you know but they're, they're like i've known him so long i'm not gonna ditch him now no matter how much of an asshole he is be out there working for you and sure there are salesmen out there with way more experience than me but what are the chances one of them's going to come walking through that door in the next week? And is it worth the wait? Maybe. Maybe. But I can tell you this. None of them will have the connection to your machines that I do. None. I worked in the mailroom. I know how important the copy machine is. Deadlines. Last-minute changes. And I was in there. I was clearing paper jams. I was cleaning ink off gears and rollers, trying to figure out where the mystery streaks were coming from. I was down on my hands and knees with my tie over my shoulder and ink-stained hands and a line of assistants out the door, and they're all worried that they're going to lose their job if they don't get their document in the next five minutes. I know, I know better than anyone that the copier, it's the beating heart of any business. It goes down, it causes delays, that is lost money, that is frustrated employees, that's a negative work environment, that's a business on life support, but you plug one of your... DJ says, maybe Jimmy decided he was going to have Mike steal the Hummels and decide he needed to not work there. That's a good point, too. Maybe he's trying to figure it out. Maybe Case, the place, knew he wanted to do this, and part of it was just the sport of it, knowing he could get it, and then deciding he was didn't want it anymore. Tito's is vodka. DJ, it's actually the vodka I have in my in my freezer right now. It's a very tasty brand of vodka. 
So then they, they meet and they rubble, rubble, rubble for a second and decide to give Jimmy the job in the spot. Jimmy. And then we get full Welcome Saul Goodman, Chuck. Really? A little Damn bit of Chuck right. in there, too. Really? Congrats. We'll get I, you set up with Audrey and I HR. Love this. Fill out your paperwork, and hopefully you'll be all set by the end of the day. <laughs> so just like that, huh? Yep. Why wait when we could get you rolling? You were going to take some time, though, and uh, consider your options, but... Yeah, you're going to take your time, but because... I just come in and do that little song and dance, and I'm in. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? You don't know me. I just came in off the street. <laughs> you guys are like a couple of cats. I come in, wave a shiny object around. You're like, I want that. <laughs> no due diligence. No background check. No, just hire the guy that says them fancy words. I could be a serial killer. I could be a guy who pees in your coffee pot. I could be both. So see. <laughs> And they still want to give him the job at this point. Not taking the job? No, I'm not taking... <laughs> so you're not taking the job? Job. Suckers. Okay, so this is the thing. Bob Odenkirk is an excellent actor. He's proven himself as an excellent actor. Bob Odenkirk is also one of the f funniest, like, sketch comedy guys or just... Or just character actor moments type actors in the way he can deliver a line with just so much earnestness that it's a weapon that they have in their pocket on Better Call Saul that they don't often have to use but when they use it it's fucking great when they can just let Bob Odenkirk be funny and do again I've mentioned a couple of times like the squat cobbler thing or when he's shooting commercials and when he's going full Saul Goodman and, do, and doing the comic relief stuff it's such a breath of fresh air when he when he pops in there, and it adds so much color to the show. And it was done really effectively tonight. I love Jimmy in this episode. I love I love Saul in this episode because it's it's who the fuck it is. And yeah, it's the remnants always that this show had a chance at one point in time in its inception to be a half an hour comedy show, and the roots of that will always be there in this show. And it's interesting to see the moments when when those when those comedy when the comedy genes that Bob Odenkirk has poke up. <clears throat> That's kind of why part of the reason why I really hope Bill Burr shows up on the show at some point in time. Uh because I'd love to see him him and Bob Odenkirk do some business together. That would be fun. But, you know, now I'm just being an idiot. Now I'm just hoping. Bob has to win an Emmy this year. He really deserves it, at least one of these years. I don't, I'm not a big, huge... But I think it's even worse that Michael McKean wasn't even nominated in, in any of his opportunities for supporting. New spinoff on AMC Serial Killer Pisses and Coffees. I don't drink wine either. Gives me blackout. Phil is a happy kitty. Meow. Tito's is good vodka. But I only weigh like 105 pounds. Bob has to get his Emmy this year. He really does. So glad Bob Odenkirk got the got a chance to do a show. What a great act to show what great what a great actor he is. And if the show what ended up being a comedy, he wouldn't have had that chance. So I'm glad Vince decided to jump on board with his show. I feel sorry for you. 
So kachunk, 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 he's on his way out of there. So they're like one minute, they like him, and then he pees in their coffee pot. So then he goes back outside, heads in, calls another job for another interview. Uh, I'm wondering, are you still interviewing for the sales associate position? Great. I mean, I could be there in uh, 20 minutes. James McGill. Ellen, okay, wonderful. Well, thank you, Ellen. I'll, I'll see you soon. It has uh, Hannibal said Bob Odenkirk was also an SNL writer. He yeah, he's an excellently funny guy too when it comes to writing as well. So we open up on a sky with Pup Pup watching a kid swing, and oh boy, uh, Mike's got a call, and he uh, he takes it. He has a meeting with Lydia. Yippee, Lydia! So he's packing up the shit. The kid says five more minutes. Mike cannot say no to the kid. Again, this is sort of a sad, nostalgic, futuristic, nostalgic moment, considering how Mike's story ends. So then we're going to Madrigal. Mike is looking at the Holy Grail. No, he's looking at the piece of art centerpiece in the huge office building. And he gets into the room with Lydia, and we have the Lydia and Mike meeting, which goes, which, which should I play it or should I just act it out? Let me act it out. Ah, uh, uh, I think you're really fucking shit up. You're really fucking shit up. You're putting too much attention to my Listen, you just need to calm down. Why, why do you sound like the Walking David's Rick Grimes impression right there? I don't know, because I can't really do Mike, so I'm doing this. It came out of my voice. Oh, and I don't really sound like this. I'm just sort of like a random girl voice. Yeah, Lydia. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You're going to do what you're going to do. And I take it you should pause and think about what you're doing. Um, okay. I'm going to tell Gus on you. Go a fucking head and tell Dad. I think he'll agree with me. Now I'm sounding like Batman because my voice hurts. Oh, okay. I think you can play the scene. You're probably better off doing that. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> You're freaking people out now. Um, I don't think so. It's just like... Oh. Okay, stop. So I, I think that's basically... I think that's basically how the scene went. So we can move on to the next scene. <laughs> it was... Basically, Mike says he's going to go to all the rest of the magical facilities. And Mike's making a lot more sense. He's like, if I'm getting paid as a security dude, I want to be visible there. So if shit comes down... I can claim I was really working for Madrigal, and I don't know anything about this drug smuggling business. Um, so let's continue. So we cut to uh, the next scene, which is Hector, and he is flanked by his two nephews. The doctor is working on him, but then the doctor from John from Johns Hopkins comes in, and uh, hey, sorry to interrupt. Let's get all the doctor just said this is Doctor Maureen Bruckner just arrived. Or I could act out this scene to no. Morning, nice to meet you. Hello, Doctor Bruckner. Dr. Bruckner's visiting from John. Doctor, doctor. Hopkins, and we're doctor, doctor. Doctor, doctor. The more severe cases in the ward, including Mr. Salamanca. Johns Hopkins. Yes, a generous grant came through, which allowed Dr. Bruckner to lend us her expertise. <laughs> Only temporarily. Uh, I'm not here to step on any toes. Oh no no no! Step on my toes. You you can step all over the doctor. The doctor's look okay, at his face. It's like, well, oh dude, you're like a real doctor. You you could step anywhere you want. You know you want to step on my toes? Step step all over me. I don't give a fuck. Again, 
I don't want to step on toes. Lydia is such a drip. And yes, we get the creepy nephews. I love how they get they actually get a word out of them when uh, she starts speaking Spanish to them. And they're like, oh, wow. What is this person doing okay. talking to us? Um, well, I will let you get to it then. Let us know if Jason, you need anything at all. For you, see, this is, this is what we know. We've got Jason fucking Voorhees. Yeah, that's right. We got Jason fucking Voorhees in the live motherfucking chat <laughs> saying Gus is savage as fuck. <laughs> That's saying something. Excelente atención aquí en la place. Pero vamos a intentar algo un poco diferente. Miren, cuando el cerebro se daña por un derrame cerebral, esa parte. Okay. So, uh, Nacho is. So he says, he basically says Hector is. She tries to talk to him. Nephews basically explains that they're going to try to stimulate the brain, do some sort of electric. Sh I wasn't following this. I, I can't lie. I'm not. I'm not. I tune out medicinal talk sometimes. Too much real life experience with it. I, I just kind of tune it out. Tune it out. And uh, ultimately, they're going to try some new tactic to stimulate the brain to retrain it and bring back his personality. They should talk to him. <laughs> And which creates a very awkward, amazing. See, again, this is why this show is incredible. It's not, it's the writing. The writing is so on point in the way they set up awkward scenes. Uh, speculation of the writer's room in this scene. You know how when people are in comas and stuff, you, they tell them to you know talk to the person. Wouldn't it be great if we got if we got the the nephews to stand around and like force people to talk to to talk to Hector, you know? And it's just it sets up this really awkward scene, and it's so fun, it's so delicious, where the nephews are telling Nacho and the other dude, the soon to be dead dude, to talk to Hector. And uh, the, twi the twins are like, speak. And there's just this long, awkward pause before finally someone starts talking. And it's, it's uh, you know, everyone's afraid of the Salamanca because everything's great. Hector, you know, everything, blah, 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 whatever. But it, it's just a really awkward, tense setup that I, that's done extremely well. So if Gus came for a weekend camping, I would introduce him to my mom, says Jason Voorhees. Wait, I needed a, I needed a, I needed a comedy drum sound for that one. Let me try that one more time. <clears throat> one more time. With charm. Hey, if Gus came for a weekend camping, I would introduce him to the... If Gus came for a weekend of camping, I would introduce him to my mom. <laughs> I, I travel a long way for, for a small joke sometimes. And I ruined some comments. That was a great comment by Jason. I had to lead up with this like three times, three times a lady, once, twice, three times I made the jokey. <laughs> and I missed it again. So <laughs> you look really good. The docs are going to fix you, uh, Nacho says. You're going to be stronger than ever. So, uh. So we cut back in, and Gus is sweeping outside, annoyed that someone is bothering him during his me time, which is sweeping. He answers the phone, and Gus is like, I don't want to meet you. I'll talk on the phone. Imagine, like, this phone line secure, because, Lydia, you're annoying, and I want to meet you. And Cologne. They came by. And, they and I love this conversation. Yes. Where, sh where 
Gus basically tells Lydia to go shove it. Let's listen to let's listen to this conversation. Yes. It's me. Can we meet? Now is not a good time. I'm in town. I can easily meet wherever is convenient. Assume this is a secure line. And I love the two clashes of locations. We have Gus, who is who is more important in this game than she is, sweeping up at his chicken restaurant. And then we have Lydia, who's trying to make herself feel like a big badass and like and more important in this crime business world than she is at this what looks like a swanky kind of club setup. I'd have to rewatch to see exactly, but I just think that's cool that sort of parallel setup there as well to show what kind of how centered these two criminals are i spoke with your security contractor i explained the situation again did your parents go in a week's vacation i understand but what he's doing makes no sense do his reasons matter they do if he's unreliable he is reliable so i'm just supposed to let him keep stealing my employees badges I don't know where he's going to turn up next, what disruption is going to cause, what mess I'm going to have to clean up. This isn't something I want to spend my time worrying about. Then I suggest you give the man a badge. <laughs> Click. And he might have been waiting for the call, DJ. Either way, he definitely seemed annoyed to having to deal with her. And probably good reason why, uh, good point probably why he was hanging outside. Let me put the camera back on. Put the fucking camera back on, buddy. So then our next scene is Gus talking to the private eye. Go on. Not the Make private eye, his, his guy that we've seen before. I don't, I don't know this guy's name, but we've definitely seen, we definitely saw him on Ow, Breaking Bad as well. And the afternoon, nephews were in his room all day. Bruckner saw him three times, a couple of specialists with her. They took him for a brain scan. And? So everything, no change. So Gus thinking about, during all of this, trying to consider what's the best way to make his move here. How's the best way to handle this? He also has the information built inside that he knows about Nacho right now that comes to play later. And he's using all this. Gus looks at the papers, and we can't see because of the filter. He's seeing what kind of condition that he Hector's ultimately in. You and want me back at the hospital? He's like, no. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> no. It's not hard, Phil. The brain is made up of several neurotransmitters that act as roadways through thought processes. When a stroke occurs, these roadways shut down, forcing the patient to relearn basic stuff. Thank you, Retro Mammoth, for breaking it down. Brain neuroscience for... Idiot. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Hence why I was sweeping outside. Tyrese. <clears throat> so uh, Tyrese is that guy's name. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jason. So we go off to Kim in a taxi showing up at HAM. Uh, HHM. There's a shrine for Sh Chuck, and Howard is writing a check. <laughs> did you see what I did to that old man in Friday the 13th? Not sure such a new. <laughs> 
So off the kid with the taxi, showing up to HHM. There's a shrine for Chuck and Howard writing a check to uh, to Chuck's ex-wife. I know Chuck was thorough, but even I didn't think there was Rebecca. Be much paperwork. Having worked with him as long as I did, I would. They exchange pleasantries. Kim shows up. Her and Rebecca exchange pleasantries as well. Wish I got to see you better, talk to you better, yada, yada, yada. The... Uh, Offers Jimmy a little a letter from Chuck, a little bit. Uh, let's listen to a little bit. Of pleasantly surprised by his restraint. This is the agreement for the transfer of property, mm -hmm. as discussed. If you can initial here. And then after all of this, Kim is, uh, or Rebecca leaves. She's got all the information she needs, and Kim wants a minute with Howard. So let's listen to this scene. Kim, I just. Uh, I just had to know what were you thinking? What the fuck were you thinking? What were you thinking when you came to Jimmy on the day of his brother's funeral and laid that shit on him? That Chuck killed himself? What's wrong with you? I, I thought... <clears throat> I thought I owed it to Jimmy to tell him. Owed it? Action such as speech and movement, one centimeter of rogue can take a month to relearn. It's so filled with blood. To him. Ooh. Did you owe it to Rebecca? You tell her your theory? That Chuck intentionally set himself on fire? I guess not. I guess you just saved that one for Jimmy. Kim, I didn't do it to hurt Jimmy. No, you did it to make yourself feel better. That, uh, that's <laughs> not what I was trying to do. To make yourself feel better by unloading your guilt. Who cares what it does to Jimmy, right? As long as Howard Hamlin is okay. Kim, I, I don't think that's fair. Fair? Let's talk about fair. Hey, let's let Jimmy dig around the fire-damaged wreck where his brother died screaming. And then let's let him pick up a keepsake or two. That is so, so fair. And did I hear you right? You want him to serve on the board of a scholarship committee? A scholarship that Chuck never in a million years would have given to Jimmy. Never. It is just, I mean, oh, what's this too, huh, Howard? What's in this? Jason. One last screw you, little brother, from beyond the grave? Am I really supposed to do this to him? All right, Kim. What can I do to make it better? Before she gives her response, which I love, they got a really good performance out of her right there. they That's just a really good line read. And as Jason says, Kim, calm down. I set a lot of people on fire. Yeah, that's how good that performance is. She real, Especially listening to it. Uh, I mean, her visual performance was really good too. But listening back, I was almost more impressed just listening to the audio of that. She really gets the voice down there and delivers that performance. Hardcore. A combination of all the madness she's dealing with, all the frustration she's had with Howard working for him for years, and of course her affection and her affinity even more than her care for Jimmy, I think. Just this affinity, this this protective cloud she has over him right now, and her love for him. She loves Jimmy. Even if it if even if it doesn't always even though some people don't know how to show love, doesn't mean that they don't feel it. And I think Kim at times has had trouble showing affection, but she definitely has affection for Jimmy. And the, a lot of it just exploded right here. And and I think it's going to be a shame in the end when he saws up and she's in in for good. 
and he's Saul Goodman and can't have a real relationship with anybody. It's going to be sad from a different angle. It's going to be flipped around where he's always trying to get to her and she's too, you know, big timing for him and he's going to be too big timing for her. <clears throat> Who knows how it ends? And yes, Kim would be a good wife. I really don't think Howard knows what to do and didn't mean to hurt Jimmy. It's true, but in response to that, Kim is right when she says right here, sometimes people cross lines and... Nothing. Nothing. You can't do anything. There is nothing you can do. Just stay away. At a certain point in time, and this is what something I don't always know, at a certain point in time when you disagree about something or you're going back and forth about something, I don't always know when to let it go. When the, the best opportunity is to just say there's nothing you can do to make it better. There's no apologizing enough. I fuck up a lot. And when I fuck up a lot, it's hard for me to realize I can't apologize for some things I do. Some lines you cross, some mistakes you make, no matter how much you throw your fucking balls and ass on the table to apologize, people can just say, no, you, you went too far. There's nothing you can do. It's just a decision you made in the moment. So you have to live with your decision. Apologizing doesn't matter. Of course you feel bad about it. Of course you feel bad. You do something fucked up in a moment. You lie to someone, you, you break a big confidence. Of course you fucking do it. And I've been on the other end of it too. Of course you feel bad. Apologize all you want. Your apology means dick. It was what you did in the moment and that you chose that decision. And it becomes that the, apo the apology, it doesn't matter if you feel bad afterwards. You know, I can eat a fucking gallon of ice cream and feel like shit that I ate the gallon of ice cream, but it doesn't change the fact that I ate the fucking gallon. Nothing's taking that gallon out of my stomach. I mean, some things are, but I don't want to make light of, of certain things. But not for me. I'm eating it. I'm digesting it. I want more chocolate. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Anyways. So sometimes you just can't. Sometimes there's no going back. So uh, Kim yells at Howard. Best scene of the episode. Now, come back in. Kim is in the office at home with Jimmy and... Uh, yeah, I can always eat. Counter or couch? Uh, uh, couch is good. Couch it is. If I remember correctly, and... And ultimately, uh, this is just minutes, all. One of the classic movie channels is showing... Uh, this is all foreplay. To be exact. Ah. Uh, but Cagney wins this one. Right. Hey, I got us uh, Thai iced teas, unless you want me to pour you something a little less non-alcoholic. No, I'm good with that. So, how was the job search? Pretty good. I uh, got a couple leads. And actually, I got an offer. Really? Yeah. That uh, didn't feel quite right. It was... Uh, and then they copied you with the 3D, Jason, those bastards. This wasn't a perfect fit, but I think I might get a call back on one of the Wow, this is a pretty good first day. You know somebody's going to be lucky to get you. So, so we get some foreplay, and she jumps in, and they have some sweet, 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 sweet loving down by the fire. And, and, uh... 
she's thinking about giving him the letter, but she doesn't give him the letter as well. So he is awkward. Okay, so he's all about the movie. They have some bedroom bliss that kind of fades to the bedroom bliss look. And is that like ballroom bliss? Yeah, it's just like ballroom bliss. And Kim is passed out and they're passed out in each other's arms. But Jimmy is awake, wide awake. <clears throat> and he wakes up and he gets up with this compulsion and is driven to his laptop to look at uh, look at the music changes. It's like he, this restless sort of thing. And he looks at the little piece that he saw in the office today and he sees that it's worth eight grand. He takes out his phone, <laughs> his uh, pulls so up I the antenna, for you. and he makes a call. It's a job. I think you're really going to like this. So call me. DJ says, I totally understood the scene. Men who avoid feelings reach out for sex. A little less non-alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, you want something a little less non-alcoholic. No, no, she'll do fine with the uh, the, the tea. <laughs> and uh, yes, copied you in the 3D thing. You, the, you set the standard, Jason. You have the better 3D movie, too. God, Jaws 3 was... A I'd rather watch Jaws 4 when the shark had a revenge complex with... Uh, and Michael Caine is, like, spitting on the shark and stuff. Fuck you, shark! I'm Michael Caine. I'll fucking eat. I'll fucking fuck you, shock up. <laughs> I'll get. <laughs> Even when he's getting eaten, he's like, fucking hey. I'm getting eaten by a fucking shock. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> Sorry, like, when you read, when I saw the uh, hockey mask, I suddenly was flashed with Casey Jones slash uh, Babber. Well, that's why I don't wear hockey pants. And I just watched the, don't ask me why, I just watched the second Ninja Turtles movie this morning for some stupid reason. I was, I was, it was, I was up really early. I was like Jimmy. I was up at like six in the morning. I didn't have to actually be anywhere till, till nine. I had two hours to wait. I was looking for something to watch on Amazon. It was like my first suggestion. Watch Ninja Turtles, All the Shadows. I'm like, oh, what do I really want to watch this? <laughs> I watched it. Ugh. Not happy about it, but there was there's someone who copies your look, Jason, with the uh, the hockey mask and there's a couple of jokes with it. Anyways, so we go up to Nacho and his guys, and this is where we get into uh, the setup where they have to uh, they get offered five, but they take six. Let's listen to a little bit of this. We're taking six tonight. What? Six keys is what the boss would want. You gonna back me up or what? Yeah. So Nacho is gonna back him up and ultimately gets what he wants. But this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a scene that you know Nacho's not gonna kill anybody. But I thought I talked about the scene earlier at the beginning. I thought this scene lulled you into a sense of security at a point in time and then established that you thought you knew what was going on in it and then to set up the Gus ninja move at the end of this scene to see more of Gus in action was just exceptionally done because I didn't see it coming. I wasn't expecting it. And when it did happen, I was filled with, what's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Who is that? Is that Gus? Blah, 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 blah. And which is exactly how I should feel in that moment, not laughing or thinking this is silly 
I was horrified in the best way possible, imagining myself with a bag over my head. <laughs> Law of this is the part where I play the audio of people walking. <laughs> this is the best audio of the whole evening. Where's the rest? DJ, have a good night. I only see thank, five. Thank you for sticking on in. We're almost at the end here anyway, so you almost made it. Lots of love to DJ. Hope you have an amazing evening. Nymeria. Holy shit, we got Nymeria in the live motherfucking chat. Lots of love to Nymeria. It's a one-time only. Not the way we see it. That's the way it is. Salamancas get six. We're not leaving without six. So this guy tries to big time him. You know, Salamancas are going to take six. We're going to get six. And Nacho pulls out the gun to back him up. The boss isn't giving orders. He can barely even open his eyes. DJ, whatever you do, don't listen to Jason. Don't go near the lake. I'm giving the orders. <laughs> or if you do, do wear a sweater that looks like his mother and say and pretend to be his mother. He, he might be nice to you. But whatever you do, don't go there with a date. Do not vacation with a date to uh, Crystal Lake. No matter what kind of what kind of package deal Jason offers you. I've seen that end horribly. That would actually be a good take on a comedy take on uh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, vacation club. Jason runs a vacation club where he's like calling people for uh, vacation getaway weekends, timeshares and stuff in Crystal Lake. <laughs> Free vacation. <laughs> Come down. Come down to Jason's Lodge. Just, just stay for a one-hour timeshare presentation. Somehow survive. You get the timeshare free. Well, there's ton there's tons of good jokes here, but I think I might I think we might be onto something, Jason. Let's talk. I think I think we I think there's money to be made here, buddy. I hear if you're bringing him a machete, he will let you live. Exactly. You bring gifts to if you bring Jason a machete gift, or you bring him you bring him a, a horny pair of teenagers to take care of. It, you get a, you get a free week free weekend out of it or deal. He's got like all these weird sort of deals. I I think that I think there's a comedy sketch in here that we all need to get together and and work on together. Uh, <laughs> Come get a timeshare. It's a killer deal. Yeah, between Nymeria and Jason, I think I think we're on. Nymeria has amazing uh, instincts with this stuff, and uh, and Jason, I, the three of us need to get together and uh, have a have a discussion about this. <laughs> oh, we're gonna bring actually Hannibal. We'll we'll do a whole hangout. We'll do a whole live podcast about this. I think this will be uh we'll we'll cast this. Uh, it'll be a very unique podcast we do at one point in time. It'll be all about. Called the Think Tank, the uh, the Jason's Getaway Think Tank. It would be, it would be a really funny, funnier die sketch or something like that. Let's, uh, I'll write up a treat. I'll work on a treatment and, uh, and g give us, give the live motherfucking chat writing credit here. So, <laughs> where's the Walking David when you need him? He's a writer. So. Uh, they're heading out and they're really excited. Look, we fucking we they're running out of there like the kids in the Sopranos that just robbed the uh, robbed the poker game. 
They run out. Oh, super excited. We're, we did good. Where Gus sneaks around, Ninja grabs him, throws the bag on his head, and throws him down on the ground. And we watch him slowly suffocate. And Nacho is surrounded by Gus and his guys. And this is where Gus really starts to intimidate. That's how you do it. We had him pissing in the pants. Awesome sound cue. I missed that when I'm watching it live because I got so distracted with the visual aspect of it. But that's one of the cool things about listening to the audio afterwards. The just that little ch that little change in sound cue here that was all the uh, the. <laughs> Why can't I think about it? It's it's a it's a the crescendo. Thank you. The sound crescendo right there really establishes the emotional stakes of the scene without having to see it. And when you're watching it, you don't think about that crap. So again, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I'd never go, oh, one of the greatest scored things in the world. But the they really know the moments to have the the soundtrack add a crazy almost demonic tone to it all at times. I think back to when Jesse starts going crazy against Walt in the final season, especially in that last season when shit starts hitting the fan and with Jesse and some of Jesse's crazy moments of his brain going in a lot of weird directions, they definitely play with some audio editing really well. And I think that's the more than just the audio design. It's the editing that this show is so, so superb on. And I know they lost one of the, one of their uh, prime editors this year in Kelly Dixon. Uh, she's working on another show this year. But it's been such a tight-knit team that they all work so well together. So it, I don't feel like we've missed out in these first two episodes from her not being there, even though she is one of the best. And I bet we'll be back for season five, scheduling allowing. Hannah will bring the weed. Nightmare will bring the rum. Hey, Laura. Are you from the Marblehead area? I stayed there because I went to visit Salem. Marblehead's beautiful. I am very much right in that town, those towns areas. I am, uh, I'm in Salem actually. So, <clears throat> but I have lived in Marblehead. I have lived in Marble in this Marblehead, and I grew up a fucking town over. Sorry, when I say those names, it makes my Boston accent come out a little bit. You know, fuck. Fucking dude, I was uh, fucking born a fucking town over from there, Laura D. Next time you come to the fucking area, email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com or uh, text the voicemail line, 781-990-8509, and Joe and I will come out and meet you for a drink in a bar, dude. <laughs> but no, seriously, if you're ever in the area, definitely, and that goes for anybody. If you're ever in Salem, Mass., during Halloween time or any time for visiting or in the North Shore, Boston area, always reach out via text or via email to us, and Joe and I will definitely make an attempt to come out and meet you for a drink. So, uh, Mabro, I'll bring the—you get the Mabro's uh, fucking iron— you d I was working at the fucking gas station for 37 years drinking fucking Bud Lights and fucking uh, drinking Marlboro cigarettes. Hannibal O'Neal knows, dude. He's, he's from down the fucking street, man. Hannibal and I are fucking neighbors, dude. Fucking A. <laughs> fucking ABCD, motherfucker. <laughs> Anyways. So, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> so yes, let's listen to the. Let's, I'm like, what am I doing? That's how you do it. We had him pissing the fucking glass. The kid, Nymeria. You gotta fucking hit the Boston. Boston's all right. I mean, it's weird for me growing up somewhere. It's hard for me to look at something from a tourist standpoint. But Boston definitely has some cool stuff. And I would say Salem is neat. It's not worth a whole trip, but it's definitely worth a day on a whole trip to Boston. Between like all the different areas, Boston City proper, you can see most of the cool shit within a day, day and a half. There's a lot of cool cities and towns and areas to check out around Boston, though. Like Gloucester's fucking beautiful, where uh, where where Hannibal's from. Salem's interesting to check out. Marblehead's got some good old town shit. Rockport, it's fucking nice too. Some cool shit in Danvers and Beverly and. And some of the woodsy areas and shit like that. So there's like a lot of cool stuff to check out. Uh, but, but Boston's a cool city. It's just wherever when you're from somewhere, I find it very difficult to judge it as a tourist. So I'm like, yeah, it's fucking, you know, grew up around here. What the fuck you want to come here for, dude? I've really only been to Marblehead and Salem, and it was so much fun. Went around Halloween, of course. Yeah, it's, it's really nice around here around Halloween. Jason went to New York once. Meh. <laughs> Most of the time was on a boat, right, Jason? You went, you went to New York once, but uh, most of the time you spent on some stupid boat with a bunch of fucking, uh, with some, some, <laughs> it's really annoying. It's really fucking annoying. But yeah, definitely, definitely check it out in Nymeria. If you and, uh, and Nick ever make it out to Boston, make sure you let me know so I can absolutely come make, come have a drink with you guys e or either of you individually either. Yes, and Salem is chill, especially around Halloween. It's it's a cool place to visit. I almost wish it had the Vegasy rules where you could just drink walking down the street, but you can definitely brown bag it, and no one's really bothering you. So. <laughs> okay, so let's listen to the end of this shit. When Gus does his super bionic man thing. <laughs> Fuck you, I got you, I got you now. What you get? What you think you fuck me? Oh, I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna choke your ass. You choke and die, motherfucker. Da da da. Who's? I'm the one that knocks. Oh, why do I keep looking over there? I keep looking over there. I'm sorry, everybody. I know this is really inside bullshit here, inside podcasting here, live streaming. For you see when I'm doing this. See how I'm always looking right here? This isn't because I feel awkward and I'm not making eye contact with you. It's because the, the visual of, like, the little preview box of my, hey, my preview box, where, I'm, where what you guys are seeing is over there, so I'm watching what you guys are seeing, where I should be looking at you right here. So I'm trying to stop myself from doing that. So if you see, if I, if you see me going like this, you can always say, Phil, look, look straight ahead. So... Because I want to look at you guys. It doesn't really matter where I'm staring. But I tend to look at myself for some reason. And, I, and it's one of those weird things when, uh, when you're, whenever, you're on, whenever I'm on camera, if there's a television screen that has me on camera nearby, I can't help but look at myself on the television screen. So I need to fight, I need to fight, fight this. Fight this here or figure out a different way. Maybe if I put this over here. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little bit of too much information. But if I... If I didn't say it, I would have been thinking it anyway, and then my podcasting would have suffered, and I want to analyze the end of this episode correctly and talk to you, not talk to my own face. I'll be like, hey, <laughs> sit up straight, ass face. I don't want to do that. 
Hey, Gus, one word, respect. That's my word, Aretha. R-E-S-P-C-T. Uh, you know how to spell it, motherfucker. R-E-S-P-C-T. You know how to spell it, motherfucker. Yeah, only about three a year. Annabelle, it's not too bad. It's only 100,000. For 100,000 people that end up in that small little fucking place, walking down that street, like walking down that fucking street, down by Brothers I, brothers and Bear Works and shit, like what? Uh, Derby is a dirt. Like walk out with there's a fucking hundred thousand people all cluttered. You know, in fact, there's only like three a year. Isn't isn't too bad. What you want? Oh my god, it's been a very long time since I've been there, but I've never heard anything like that. That's terrible. Uh, it's usually just a. F it's usually at the end of the evening, but. <laughs> Oh, man, she generally has one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. I hope she isn't. Yeah, I wish the best to Aretha. Definitely one, if not the up there in the top greatest vocalists of all time. And some of her songs are so iconically amazing. And I'd say that when she's alive, dead at any time. So uh, if Aretha is passing, I hope she does rest in peace and goes easy. But but yes, I haven't, I have not heard that, so I'm trying to uh, not commit to it, but, but, and she can still sing. I, I heard, saw her, on some performance on a TV show a couple of years ago, not too long ago, maybe even in the last year, and she can still, still fucking belt it, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know she was sick or anything, so I'm, uh, I'm talking easy about it. I don't want to get, someone's going to send me a link to her, uh, <laughs> to her. Uh, to to her uh, to a bit or to to an article and it's gonna be uh, never gonna give you up never gonna say but no I lots of love to Aretha on uh, and thank you for fucking giving me respect motherfucker and giving me one of the be the one of the best Eddie Murphy jokes ever to uh, constantly rip off and there I am doing it again camera one camera two camera one camera two I know what you've done. The Salamancas, they do not. Oh, and guess what? You're my bitch now? Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at me! Look at me. Look at me, motherfucker. From now on, you are mine. <laughs> Holy shit, Saul Goodman liked the podcast. So Saul Goodman might be watching right now. Thank you, Saul Goodman. You're mine, and then we slowly see the fucking suffocating. And Gus is done. What a fucking way to end the episode. Oh yeah, and that's where it ends. And that, and what a way to end the episode! Very strong. Beautiful. Oh no, wait, wait, no, no. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear commercials. Don't play me commercials. And Gus does it again. I love how we got to see him in like visual action. It was edited pretty well with the way he slipped in there. Probably a body double. I'd have if on a rewatch, you could probably. I mean, definitely a body double, but or a stuntman of some sort. But I thought it was trans. It was edited pretty smoothly. That I didn't really. Mine, they did it in the dark, and it was like a, a very cool, smooth transition. 
very well. The sound, again, the sound effects, just listening to the suffocation. I think it's something that I've always been freaked out by the thought of, like, a plastic bag in your head like that suffocating. Reminds me of Tony Soprano, of Anthony Soprano failing to kill himself like that. <laughs> and Tony being like, you fucking suck. You couldn't even kill yourself right, Junior. You're horrible. But just really awesome episode of Better Call Saul. This is what this show's all about. Beginning to end, the action and the intensity keeps you going. Mike wasn't a huge part of this episode, but definitely had a few moments of awesomeness. They're not overusing Mike, which they could have if they didn't introduce Gus. So which is really amazing that they did introduce this Gus storyline. This is probably the central focus of this season. I think Jimmy and Mike are going to be important factors. But if from what it looks like... <clears throat> The season's main focus is going to be around the Gus and the Hector storyline. But who knows? It might go in a lot of different directions. And I'm sure we're going to have episodes that are dedicated all to Jimmy and Jimmy's adventures. And I'd love to see as now he's going to bring Mike into one of his schemes again. And some of the best parts of the first three seasons of this show were when Mike and Jimmy get together. And to see that that's going to end up the obviousness that that's going to happen again. And we know that. And seeing how... Gus is going to be integrated into that and how all the storylines are going to come together. I'm convinced of it at some point this season. Things are going to break apart, but Jimmy and Mike are going to get in line. Jimmy's going to somehow do something for Gus indirectly this season and start to head him down that direction as well. So great episode. Definitely did like it better than last week's episode, but that's not to say I didn't like last week's episode. That's what you hope. You hope each episode builds on itself throughout this season if this is the standard that we're going to have and what i think is basically the dynamic that we're going to have this season i'm very excited for the next eight episodes and the next eight weeks of talking about better call Saul. and i will be back next monday if not before i'll try to come back before but the next two days are super hectic and thursday is also crazy and friday is crazy as well and saturday and sunday are unbelievable too so probably the next time you'll see me live will be next monday night at 10 30 hopefully joe will be able to join us next week if not i don't mind talking to you guys by my lonesome about this show it's one of these shows that i feel like i could talk about for three fucking hours by myself so so i don't mind weeks that joe's can't show up but it's always awesome to have joe and if you guys want to leave any questions or comments throughout the week please do it 781-990-8509 again that's 781-990-8509 and as I said, I will make an effort to try to figure out another time to come out here this week. But if I don't, I will miss you. I will miss you so much. Play the song. I will miss you. I will, I will, I will be thinking. <laughs> I wish I was. I miss you. If you haven't already, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Share the channel with a friend. Help us keep growing. Our schedule, I'm going to start posting a schedule on the intro uh, page on the, on, on the channel. Basically, for right now, the regular schedule will be Mondays at 10.30 p.m. But I'll definitely try to get out here more often and add, a, add another day. Especially in September, I'll have a lot more free time. The end of August is just a little bit clusterfucky for me. 
with a paw. Pa I might be possibly moving and a whole bunch of shit. You guys want to hear. But I, if I'm not live, you know what? I'm going to be wishing I was there with you guys. We're just Yeah, this channel's a grower, not a shower, so help me out. And huge thanks to uh, Hannibal O'Neill in the live motherfucking chat for uh, that version of Wish You Were Here. And we'll talk to you guys next time. of the drum solos, it's very late.